You're listening to the podcast of The Branch in Ashland, Virginia. Sometimes we can get a wrong perspective of something and it just sticks. It informs the way we see it from that point forward. Prayer can often be like that for followers of Christ. We might have mistakenly thought that it was only about asking God for things, but it's really about conversation and communion with God. That's not all either. Prayer brings us into communion with God and with other people. That's what we talk about in this episode. I think most of us probably, or all of us have a different kind of uh, upbringing. Um, Some of us were raised uh, with a religious upbringing and within the church. Some of us weren't. Some of us came to faith um, later on. Some of us might still be sort of trying to figure it out. I, I think uh, when, when we're kids, often our parents can uh, introduce some of those um, Christian and religious things into our lives. Uh, and a lot of times it comes in the form of prayer. And I, I know um, for my kids, they went to a, a Christian preschool. So uh, when it came to saying grace before a meal, they learned what, what I knew as the Johnny Appleseed song, but they, um, they had no idea who Johnny Appleseed was. But, you know, the Lord is good to me, and so I thank the Lord for giving me the things I need, the sun, the rain, the apple seeds. The Lord is good to me. Amen. And they would do that. Some of us learned the uh, God is great, God is good, and we thank him for our food. By his hand must all be fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. Amen. Um, And then if it wasn't around meals, it was around uh, bedtime. You know, that that wonderfully warped prayer that some of us learned about, like, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, uh, I pray the Lord my soul to take, right? I I don't know what possessed our parents to have taught us that because it's kind of morbid to think about. Um, But even Metallica knows that, right? I mean, uh, it's an inner Sandman. So all of us have had some kind of exposure to prayer. And, you know, sometimes what happens is the things that are instilled in us as kids, they become such a benchmark for us of the way we look at things later on, what our perspective is uh, later on in life. And if, if we learned any of those prayers or maybe other prayers as we're younger, then we've kind of limited prayer to what we do right before we eat or right before we go to bed. Uh, As we get older and into middle school and high school, we probably add a third case there, which is right before a test, right? We begin to pray. Um, And so we limit God in some ways to like this genie in the bottle where, okay, I'm going to thank him for my food. I'm going to pray that I don't die before I, you know, wake up in the morning. And I'm going to pray that I live through this test and can remember some of the things that I studied. But is that all that God is, and is that all that prayer is to us? Have we, even within our prayers, and nothing against those prayers at all, um, have we limited our perspective of not only God, but of what prayer is for us? Tim Keller, who was a pastor and author who recently passed away, um, he actually pastored in Hopewell, not far from here, in his first church, In his book on prayer, he said this about prayer. He said that prayer is a personal communicative response to the knowledge of God. And then he goes on to say that prayer is continuing a conversation that God has started 
through his word and his grace, which eventually becomes a full encounter with him. And so thinking about that, we broaden our perspective of what prayer is. Prayer is conversation. And if any of us have healthy relationships with conversation, we know that conversations are rarely one-sided, or at least they shouldn't be. But prayer starts with, with hearing from the Lord, and it continues with our response to what we hear. In the same way that we talk to friends and family and those who are close to us throughout our day, so prayer should be that continuing conversation that we have with the Lord. Prayer is communion. And if we look up the word communion in the dictionary, the the definition is the mental or spiritual exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings. And so we see prayer, or we should be seeing prayer, as conversation and as communion. It's a a mental and spiritual exchanging with God. It's not a one-sided thing. It's not us just speaking to Him, but it's listening to Him, and that starts with God's Word. We look at Scripture and we see the examples of prayer in the Bible. We see His communion with God taking place, but we also see that it's not just communion with God, but it's communion with other people. And so starting with communion with God, we read through the Gospels, the accounts in Scripture of Jesus' life as he walked on this earth. We see multiple instances of Jesus going off to pray on his own by himself. Starting with Mark 1.35, this is what Mark says. He says, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And then in Matthew 14.23, Matthew writes this. He says, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. We can see, and those are just two examples throughout the Gospels, but there are more where Jesus understood the importance of that time with God. He understood the importance of stepping away, of separating himself from others and spending time communing with his heavenly Father. Jesus, who is fully God and fully man, who is perfect in every way, he even knew the importance of spending time in communion with the Father. Some of us might hear that and realize that yes, Solitude and quiet are are important and they're good, but good luck trying to find that throughout the day, especially for those of us who have many distractions, whether it be kids or other things in our lives that can easily pull us away. But what I found in my own life is that the things that are important and even necessary in our lives are worth fighting for. They're worth us actually making an effort to say, hey, how do we make sure that we carve out time? Because we know that this is so important, that this is so essential, that we need to make sure that we're carving out time. When we think about Jesus getting off and going by himself to be with the Father, to commune with the Father, I don't imagine that he was going, "Uh, God is great, God is good, and we thank him for this food. I don't think he was praying for his sleep, not to say that those are bad things, but I think his time with the Father in communion and conversation was broader than that. That um, he must have done other things in his prayer. Communion with God isn't one way. 
And, and sometimes when we're thinking about prayer, we, we kind of think, well, if God knows everything, why am I telling him this? Well, again, we think about parenting and the fact that, you know, we might know what our kids want, but we need for them to actually say it. We need for them to verbalize that. And God wants to hear from us. He wants us to speak to him. And then he wants us to listen as well. It's not a one-sided conversation. Despite how some of us might have been trained up in prayer, prayer is a two-way conversation. Think about the way that we nurture the relationships that we have when we spend time talking with people. Are, Are we only talking about the things that we need? You know, if I had a friend who every single time that we were having a conversation was telling me about all the things that they need, I think those conversations would cease fairly quickly. Again, not to say that that's not important, but if that's the only thing that's happening in those conversations, it's going to wear on us fairly quickly. Successful conversations are, are two ways. Are, what else is are part of our conversations? Are we talking about gratitude statements as as well? I think that the level of and the depth of our relationships with others will be based upon what we spend our time doing when we're together. Let me say that again. The level of and the depth of our relationships with others will be based upon what we spend our time doing when we're together. If we really want to nurture a relationship, it has to be a two-way thing. It has to be two-sided. If it's one-sided, it'll be lopsided. And so our relationship with God needs to be similar, that we need to see both sides of it. And we need to say, hey, God, I'm listening to you. I'm hearing from you, but I'm speaking to you as well. I'm responding to you. Think about some of the best and deepest relationships that you have and think about what you talk about. Think about whether or not there's even any times of silence. You know, for those of us who are married, um, we may have experienced those awkward, silent moments in our dating years, right? Where you're like, oh my gosh, she's not saying anything. I better fill this void and vacuum with something. But as we get married and as our relationships progress and they flourish and they grow, we're okay with that silence. We don't feel that need to fill that in. And the same thing can be said of our relationship with God. We shouldn't just sit there and go, I'm not hearing anything. I'm not saying anything. So somebody's got to fill this vacuum and void. It's sometimes in those quiet moments that God speaks to us the most. A great place to start when we commune with God is his word. We, we listen first, we hear what he has to say, and then we speak later. And sometimes we assume that just because we're not speaking means that nobody's speaking. But we need to get better at listening. You know, the, the old adage that God gave us two ears and one mouth, right? So we should listen twice as much as we talk. That same idea in prayer. Are we listening to God? Are we starting with his word and hearing what he says and then responding to him? Sometimes our nervousness, especially for those of us who like to talk, our impatience, our anxiety can can somehow make us try to just fill that space. 
And when we're doing that, we're missing what God might be trying to say to us. We're not hearing him. As I've gotten older, as my kids have gotten older, sometimes um, I feel that anxiety just swirling within me on a particular day. I've had, you know, for those of you who have been following my story lately with cars, um, it's been a disaster of a summer. And when I add that to all the other things, like I had this moment this week where my anxiety was through the roof. And I was like, almost vibrating and shaking. And I realized at that moment, I'm like, I need to carve time to be with God. And in this moment, if I don't, then I'm just going to shake my way through the day. I needed to carve out time and make sure that I was in communion with God and that I was aligned. I was back in alignment. It's like what happens when a car goes out of alignment, it starts shaking. I felt that same way until I got myself aligned and in communion with God again. And it's gotten to the point where that's happened in my own life enough that I'm desiring it, that I'm realizing that I'm a better John, when I spend that time in communion with God, first and foremost, it's not an afterthought. It's not something that I come to as like a a final thought either, but it's a first thought to say, I need to spend time in communion with God. Think about some of your best friends and those times that you're just longing. You you think to yourself, man, I just want to spend time with them again. I just, because I know how much better I am when I spend time in the presence of someone like them. Think about that on such an exponential level when it comes to God. That we think to ourselves, I am going to be so much better when I spend time in communion with God. Prayer leads us to communion with God and as we speak and listen. And we're not perfect at it. You know, just like no conversation that you have with friends, with loved ones is ever perfect, prayer isn't going to be perfect either. And I love the way that Philip Yancey puts it in terms of prayer. He says this, I've come to see prayer as a privilege, not a duty. Like all good things, prayer requires some discipline, yet I believe that life with God should seem more like friendship than duty. Prayer includes moments of ecstasy and also dullness mindless distraction, and acute concentration, flashes of joy and bouts of irritation. In other words, prayer has features in common with all relationships that matter. When we think about conversations that we have, again, with our close friends, with our spouses, if you tell me that every single conversation that you ever have with your loved ones, with your spouse, with your friends, ends on a high note, then I'm not going to believe you. (laughs) Because it just doesn't happen. So why would we think that our conversations with God are always going to make us like come out feeling like we're on the mountaintop? Sometimes there's awkward moments in prayer, and it's okay because it's about nurturing that relationship with God. It's about communion with Him. Yeah, we understand that importance of prayer with God. Jesus understood that the importance of prayer and communion with the Father, but prayer should also lead us to communion with one another. While there are times spent in prayer alone, we also should be spending time with each other in prayer. If we go back to the book of Acts in Acts chapter 2, 
we see that one of the things that they were constantly doing when they were together was praying. Acts 2 verse 42 says this. says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And the early church knew the importance of praying together. That there was something that happened when they prayed together. Jesus' half-brother James, who wrote a, a letter to the early church, understood the importance of prayer. He said in James chapter 5, verses 13 and 16 through 16, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them. Anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. When's the last time that you prayed together with someone else? with other people? When's the last time that you prayed more than for your food or for your, the things that you need? When's the last time you confessed your sins to one another in a prayer? And yet that's what the Bible calls us to. There's something that happens when we come together in prayer. When we join together in unity and unison in prayer. That last verse is so important. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And Paul told the Thessalonian church to pray continually, thinking about it as a continual conversation. But Jesus' words in Matthew 18 hold true as well. In verses 18 through 20, this is what Jesus said. He said, Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Sorry about that. Again, truly I tell you, if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it'll be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. And just as prayer with our heavenly Father draws us closer in communion with him, so prayer together with other brothers and sisters draws us closer to them. We're not called to only pray alone. Yes, we, we do pray alone, but it's not the only thing that we do. I've been part of some meaningful prayer times together with other people. And when there's agreement together, and even what Jesus said there, that in unity and in unison, there's agreement and prayer, something happens. And when we come together, you know, we're trying to f- make sure that our hearts are aligned with God's. There's a beautiful thing that happens even here. It's funny because I've been noticing over the last couple months that um, there's been a group that gathers right after the service to pray. Um, and it, it, nobody said, hey, this needs to happen. Somebody kind of initiated it, but it's a beautiful picture to hear people praying in unison and unity together. 
And as we, in the next couple of weeks, launch small groups together in, in homes, my hope and my prayer, our hope and prayer is that we would experience that together that there will be times of prayer and, and again, not, nothing against praying for the specific needs, but, but that there's also times where, where we can confess together and we can uh, lift up concerns and we can rejoice together. And sometimes we can just sit in the silence of those moments, knowing that communion is taking place together with each other and with God. Prayer should draw us together in communion with each other and with God. And as it draws us close to the heart of God in our communion with Him, it should also draw us close to each other's hearts as well. That we feel those things. I mean, I'll tell you what, in thinking through uh, the fact that when we go through life, there are some difficult people that we will encounter. Try to actually stay mad or frustrated with somebody and pray for them. It's really hard to do. It's like all of a sudden God gives you a different perspective when you start to pray for somebody. So if somebody's annoying you, start praying for them and see how God begins to change your heart, how he begins to do something new in you. Prayer should draw us together in communion with the Father and together in communion with one another. But it should also be about expectation. Jesus' words were, you have not because you ask not. And sometimes I think it's not even that we don't ask, but just because it's how we ask. When we come to prayer, do we have an expectation that God hears us and that he's going to meet us, that he's going to be in communion with us? Are we expecting an encounter with God when we pray? An encounter with God, true communion with God should be something that we approach expectantly. Not expecting that all of our requests are going to get met, but expecting that that time with God in communion with Him will leave us different than we came. Because ultimately that's what prayer should be doing. We don't pray so that we can change God's heart. It's we pray so that God can change our heart so that we can be shaped and formed as we're in communion with Him. Prayer is conversation. Prayer is communion. In my opinion, prayer is misunderstood. When we think about those prayers that we uttered as, as children, and maybe we still do, we can easily set that trajectory of prayer that it's all about getting what I want. Rubbing that lamp of prayer and saying, Okay, God, I've got my three wishes. Give them to me. Prayer should change us because that's what happens in conversation and communion. If we really give ourselves over to those things, we spend time in the presence of other people, significant time with them, we begin to take on their mannerisms, we begin to take on their characteristics. Paul says in Scripture, you know, bad company corrupts good morals. My mom quoted that verse to me, especially in high school, all the time. She always said that to me. And then one day I woke up and I realized how right it was. Because when we spend time in the presence of other people, we begin to act like them. We begin to do things like them. So maybe parents are not as dumb as we think they are, right? And Paul's words are true. 
that there's something important about how we spend our time. Think about the people that you hang out with. Do you want to become like them? But the same is true of God. When we spend time in communion with Him, then we begin to take on His mannerisms, His characteristics. The fruit of the Spirit begins to reveal itself in us. And we begin to look less like ourselves, even as John the Baptist said, less of me, more of Him. That's what prayer should do for us. It should be changing us. And it's not about changing God. It's about God changing us. So what do we do with all this? There's three things to think through, think, to remember as we pray. First of all, pray alone, but also pray together. Don't do one or the other only or exclusively, but pray alone. Yes, find that time in communion with the Father, but also pray together with other people. And then pray with expectation. Not expecting that all of the things that you lay out in your grocery list to God are going to be answered, but that you will be changed because of time spent with God. Because ultimately, communion and conversation with God should change us to be more like Him every day. Let me pray for us. Father, I confess that I don't always approach prayer the way that I need to. Sometimes I get so impatient. I get so selfish and all I want to do is talk about the things that I want and I forget that part of what I do in communion with you is listen. So Father, would you teach us more and more every day to pray? Father, it can be overwhelming when we, when we get all this and think, how can I fix this all tomorrow? But Father, just remind us just to even take time to carve out time that we can be in communion with you, communion with other people. And may you change us and shape us and form us as we spend time in communion with you. May you shape and form us and change us as we spend time in communion with one another. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Prayer is conversation and communion with God and with others. May we ever be changed as we spend time in communion with God and with others. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at thebranchashland at gmail.com. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, give us a review, and share with your friends and family. Thanks for listening. See you next time.